Let me tell you of the days of high adventure. Kevin. And this is Six Degrees of Schwarzenegger, the podcast where we take a long, hard look at some of our favorite action movies from the era of Arnold. Schwarzenegger is the icon of the genre, and we're taking a deep dive into some of these 80s and 90s cult action movies and breaking them all the way down. Welcome back, everybody. Happy to have you with us. Before we get started on this uh, brand new movie, we wanted to take a minute to reflect on Carl Weathers. Yeah, what a loss. I, when, you, when you sent me the link, I actually I couldn't believe it. And someone on our group was like, nah, it's definitely a hoax. And then it was real. And I'm like, oh, man, you get my yeah. hopes up. And then they crash all the way to the ground. No, that's a, that was a huge loss for fans of these types of movies. Oh, absolutely. Obviously, like dude was a fucking legend um i don't know what do you what do you think of when you think carl weathers eric oh i mean aside from uh, you got a stew going from arrested development yes. um no the the thing that i always remember is that uh muscle flex high five handshake from predator that is iconic just iconic moment with those two which is now like it's got its own life as a meme <laughs> i showed it to a, a young guy uh -huh. at work the other day and he was like Oh, that meme is from the movie. Like he didn't know what the context of that was oh, at wow. all. He had only seen like the the meme. Oh, that is incredible um, to me. Yeah, I'm like these kids today. Yeah, but um, <laughs> no, like, look, this dude was in the Rocky franchise. Yeah. Obviously, Predator. Yeah, Action Jackson, yep. Happy Gilmore, fucking Arrested Development, as you mentioned. I mean. Uh, he's directing and acting in episodes of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. like, Grief Karga. Yeah, yeah. Who else, though, has been able to hold their own in movies with Schwarzenegger and Stallone? I know. He's, he's just, he's an absolute icon. He is the, the, I just don't think Rocky would have been the same if anybody other than Carl Weathers no, had been cast as a. He Apollo was perfect. Yeah. Like, casting him, I, I looked him up and he was not doing much. He had done a bunch of, like, you know, Kojak episodes, okay. things like little TV shows and stuff from the seventies. But I mean, dude was a former NFL linebacker. So natural athlete and what a fucking natural performer though, as well. Like, I know, honestly, he probably should have been as big a star as Schwarzenegger or Stallone. If it weren't for, you know, like the, the bias or whatever in the yeah. industry. Yeah. Cause I'll go on record as saying like, he's more charismatic than either of those two dudes for me. Yeah. And he's at least as good of an actor as oh, those guys. Easily. Easily. Right? He's as funny or funnier than those guys. <laughs> apparently speaking to that, apparently that whole stupid from Arrested Development, uh -huh. he improv that. Really? That was all him. I mean, yeah. his physical presence, like yeah. his physique and everything like that was on par with those mm -hmm. guys. Mm -hmm. He was awesome. And as you say, fucking like naturally hilarious. Oh yeah. Happy Gilmore and especially Arrested Development. Like he went for it like as a, 
as this version of himself, <laughs> this ultra frugal version of himself. Amazing. Amazing. That's my favorite gags from that show is like Carl Weathers acting school. You well, know? I mean, just like, the fact how much that is it, how much for a class? How much you got? <laughs> so, so, like, meeting him in the airport shuttle. Oh, yeah. so classic. That's so classic. I always felt from him a sense of viral positivity and like appreciation for the success that he had and for his fans, which is not always the case with celebrities, especially people who are like known for one certain role in their life. Carl Weathers struck me as a guy who appreciated his fans and he would go to these like Rocky cons and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And like never felt like that was beneath his, his talent or whatever, you know, like some, some people who are most well known for one thing. Well, the fact that he was able to make fun of himself too, right? I mean, someone who couldn't, laugh at his own career a little bit it's a it's a rare skill to be able to retain that amount of like humility and like the ability to be humble and like recognize you got it really good yeah like you know you you've had a very charmed life right um so to carl weathers rest in peace that hit me hard man because he seemed like he was had it together, looked like a healthy dude you know i saw this video um someone shared where he was apologizing that he was gonna had a directing job that was going to keep him from going to some convention in Boston. Oh, wow. And he just seemed like he was loving life, man. So what a shame. Well, I hope it's as it's been reported that he died peacefully in his sleep. Like that's not a bad way to go. No, all things I, considered, mean, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. He didn't language. He didn't suffer. He just, he, you know what? He did his duty here on this planet, and he got to move on to something Absolutely. better. Absolutely. So, so rest in yeah. peace, Apollo Creed, Dylan, yeah. Action Jackson, Grief Carga, I mean, the whole thing. We got to get to a, a Carl Weathers vehicle yeah. on the podcast soon. I think we as can a, as a tribute. I think we can get there. I think we can get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, rest in peace, Carl Weathers. You will be missed. Yeah. So now moving on to our brand new stuff, though, fans. It's time. It's time for Eric to be, uh, uh, what is the word? Initiated. Yes. Into the into the world of Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. I mean, you've seen him before, but we've never talked about. No, this is the first the first episode where we've yeah. actually done an Arnold movie, and I'm extremely excited that that this is one of the first ones because. It's one of his first ones. It's one of his first ones, too. Exactly. Yeah. We're here to talk about Conan the Destroyer. Let's the get le- into it. The lesser Conan, <laughs> for right. sure. That was its working title, the lesser I Conan. I don't think anyone would argue uh, about that. Yes. But 1984, he, he had just come off Conan the Barbarian, which is a huge hit. He had signed up to do Terminator. He was getting ready. And then Dino De Laurentiis swooped in and said, not so fast, Arnold. I got you under contract for a sequel, and we're doing it first before yeah. you do anything else. Um, so he got pulled back to, not to Italy, right? They filmed in Mexico? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. he got pulled away, though, from Terminator and was made to do this schlock. <laughs> um, and schlock is it ever. I, yeah. Uh... I mean, it's such a weird, like, so the first Conan. Mm-hmm. Is I was thinking uh, about Arnold movies that are legitimately good movies, not ones that are just fun to watch, right. but ones that are like, oh, no, this is a good film. 
and the first Conan is one of Arnold's movies that's like, no, this is a good movie. Oh, it holds up. I mean, it's still uh, yeah. great to watch. And it was, you know, it was Oliver Stone and John yeah. Milius of, of Red Dawn fame. <laughs> yeah, which um, fans of the show will be now intimately familiar with, which is great. Yeah. And this one was not those guys. No. You know, it was less, less, less uh, skilled craftsmen, perhaps, <laughs> <laughs> making it. Um, directed by a guy named Richard Fleischer. Who his biggest claim to fame was a, an action movie back in the seventies. Okay, the name of which that I'm not remembering. And no, apparently, was it Mr. Majestic. But anyway, Milius was a fan of him from this oh. movie, and that is why apparently he got the gig. It's because Milius okay. wasn't, and and the accounts are varied about why Milius didn't do this one. It was either because he was booked already or because okay. he refused to work with De Laurentiis again. Well, he again. would have been doing Red Dawn, I suppose. That's at the right. Same time. That's right. One yeah. would think. Yeah. Um. So what I saw from Fleischer was the movie that leaped out at me was Soylent Green. Yes. He had done. That's right. And he did Red Sonja as well after yes, this. Yes, he did. He um, did. He got a taste for the sword and sorcery <laughs> barbarian genre. Um, but yeah, he did Mr. Majestic, uh, uh, Charles Bronson flick mm -hmm. from the 70s. But he was never, he never had that like big uh, mega successful like awards caliber type of movie and i think you're right i think it was mr majestic that melius was a huge fan of that put fleischer on the map well for him. you got uh charles bronson as an angry melon farmer <laughs> <laughs> literally I, <laughs> can, I, melon farmer. I, I confess that i have not seen mr majestic i don't know much so. about it except he's an angry like melon farmer He's fighting off like evil corporate guys who want to take his farm or whatever. I mean, it sounds like is that, is that like a, is the beekeeper a remake of that? Because I don't know. They've made that story a hundred yeah, times. That's exactly. a very western, it like is. western cowboys uh, type of story. But written by now, this is where the, it gets interesting. Yeah, this is really interesting. Written by the screenplay was from a dude named Stanley Mann, who has a long career but not not very renowned. But story was by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway. Roy Thomas being the guy who like invented Conan as a comic book for Marvel. So if you could have a guy who could write your Conan story, like he would be at the top of your wish list. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, how do you get better than that, right? Yeah, he this dude like he ran Marvel after Stan Lee left. Oh, I didn't know that. He was like that. the editor in chief of Marvel after oh, Stan wow. Lee stepped down. But yeah, he this is the dude you would want. And then this guy Conway, he was like more like a writer for hire, but I saw he wrote a lot of fantasy, wrote a lot of Saturday morning cartoon type uh, content. And then also getting a writing credit is Robert E. Howard, who was like the creator of the character in a series of books like in the 30s, mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. the 1930s, that is. Um, yeah, produced, as we mentioned, by Dino De Laurentiis and his daughter, Rafaela De Laurentiis. Yeah, Got to get some right. nepotism going. Got to get it. Uh, Dino produced like hundreds, maybe a thousand movies. I don't know. He had his hand on so many different things. Some really good. Yeah. Some really shitty. Yeah. Um, this one probably falls like in the middle of in the middle of the continuum. Yeah, the lower half of the bell curve. This obviously but... had a lot of like money behind it. Oh yeah. It was a big budget movie. I'm sure expected to be a big hit. Yeah. Like the first one was. And gotta mention music by Basil Polidorus, who did the music on Red Dawn that we mentioned, but also the music on the original Conan. And very rousing, like, adventure yeah. music in this movie. Good theme. I mean, the Conan theme's a Powerful, classic. Yeah, right? it, it is. Yeah, exactly. You hear it and you know that it's Conan. If you've 
seen any of the movies of this era, then you hear the Conan theme and you know exactly where it's coming from. And it makes a triumphant return along with some tracks that he used just repurposed completely from the first movie. Like, uh, Yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you keep those themes. Like if you're doing a Rocky or, a, or an Indiana Jones or whatever, yeah. you reuse the same themes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with For that. Sure. For sure. So stars Arnold Schwarzenegger as Conan. Wait, what? We know his resume. Uh-huh. Also stars Mako. I think, I think? it's Mako. Ma- I think it's Mako. Mako yeah, I think it's as Mako. a yeah. hero, the wizard. Mm-hmm. Dude has had a long and distinguished career. Oh, yeah. Um, he was in the first Conan movie, but his character didn't have a name in that one. Right. And this is actually like he's one of only three actors returning for Conan the That's Destroyer. That's right. I got to. Yeah. yeah. He was um he was in Michael Bay's Pearl Harbor like he was the 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 Japanese admiral like the one in charge oh, of the Japanese really? forces. Oh, I never saw that movie. He did the voice of Splinter and some Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. Like nice. he was um the Mr. Miyagi type guy in the movie Sidekicks. Oh, that with Jonathan Brandis. Right. Oh, he was the wow. chef at the at the Japanese restaurant That's or whatever right. it was. Yeah, dude. Uh we got Tracy Walter as Malik who's like Conan's sidekick. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I mentioned when we were watching it the other day, you know that dude is Joker's henchman, Bob, from uh, the the original Tim Burton Batman. The second you said it. The second you said I'm like, of course he is, but I would have never made that connection until you said it. He is that guy, right? He like looks familiar, but you can't yeah. tell what he's from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Grace Jones as Zula, who was like a model slash actress. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was like a friend and muse of Andy Warhol. Mm-hmm. She was like in that whole Warhol like, warehouse studio 54 scene um she was in view to a kill that's right like as a, a the evil like underling of christopher walken i think yeah that's correct yeah yeah she used to fuck dolph lundgren apparently like that <laughs> oh, was her boyfriend oh, that's news back for in the me. day like oh. she she almost like discovered him really like, got him a role in in uh, a view to a kill really and that sort of put him on the map wow and yeah there's some stories dude i was reading some shit about like she used to like go out with Dolph, and they'd like find another girl and bring her back home and like <laughs> some wild shit happening <laughs> oh so shout out to grace jones yeah it's awesome wilt chamberlain mm-hmm. in the film as Which, <laughs> apparently they had to import a horse from spain that was big enough for I him to ride that shit. like they said his feet were like dragging on the ground on these regular horses yeah crazy shit but nba superstar this was his first and only real acting credit that I've seen in his whole career was probably maybe with good reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not like a great actor. He's anything, not like he, the world on fire. But he made Arnold look small, <laughs> which was, I think, why they probably cast him. Yeah. Um, Olivia Dabo. I think mm-hmm. I'm saying that right. As Princess so. Jenna. Um, older sister on the Wonder Years she played, which is definitely one of my first crushes <laughs> and her in this movie, who apparently was only 14 years old when they made the shit. Oof. Different time, those early 80s. Different that, time. That makes me feel creepy and also <laughs> makes a lot of the stuff that happens in this movie kind of creepy, way right? Way weirder. Way more unacceptable. And she had a cousin named Miriam Dabo, who was a Bond girl in The Living Daylights. Mm-hmm. So um, she Couple comes of... from like a British nobility family or oh, something. Oh, really? Yeah, something like that. Interesting. Yeah, but um, she was super cute. Like young Kevin watching this movie as a, like a whatever, a nine-year-old or some <laughs> shit, like watching it on TBS. <laughs> That was like, literally, I was telling you, I think her and maybe Kelly Kapowski were like the first time that I was like, oh, oh girls yeah. are cute. Like, yeah. girls are nice to look at, it, you know? You want to do a quick shout out to TBS here because so many of these movies, that's the first <laughs> place I watched them too. Absolutely. Right? I feel like this one, 
I saw twice as many times as I saw Conan the Barbarian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This one, I feel like, was on TBS all the time. Well, I mean, partially because it was, you know, and we'll talk about this at some point, I'm sure, it was PG as opposed to Conan, which was the first movie, which was a very, very hard R. We should talk about it now. Okay, yeah, that's great. weird. Yeah. They went from a hard R. The original Conan, like, had fucking orgies yeah. and, like, titties out <laughs> yeah. and, and very graphic violence. Yes. To now, like, we're going to redo this as a more kid-friendly PG movie. Yes. It's a strange choice. Yeah, and Schwarzenegger was not happy about it. Um, and neither was uh, any of the, uh, the the producers who weren't Dino De Laurentiis. He yeah. was the one who single-handedly... You said they had to edit it to death? Yeah, like, they edited it to death. They cut out an entire sex scene between him and Queen Tar... Taramis, <laughs> not the thank you. No, 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 no. Not, not the princess, not, not the, the princess, the queen. Yeah, okay, yeah. They they edited it to hell, and it was it was so chopped up apparently that the the writers Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway were so appalled by what happened oh, with the script shit. that they went and wrote an entire comic storyline of Conan the Barbarian yeah. based on their original story, which if you want to read it is called. Conan the Horn of Azoth. Oh, gosh. Yes. Conan the, hor- the Horny Barbarian. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, this, everybody was unhappy about this, but at least in the short term, De Laurentiis was right because the initial box office receipts were higher than Conan oh, the yeah? Barbarian. Yeah, okay. initially. Now, obviously, history has told a different tale. Sure. But at least as it originally premiered, it seemed like he had made the right call by making it more okay. family friendly. But obviously that didn't... Well, by this time, I'm sure, like, He-Man was probably a thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. And you're like, oh, kids love this Barbarian shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Masters of the Universe was yeah, huge Yeah, we gotta make point. this into something that the kids can come I'm see. I'm not ashamed to say I had all those action figures. Oh, hell yeah. Bit. Yeah, I had all I of had them. The, the, I didn't have all of it, but I had He-Man and that, that big cat hero. Yeah, Man-at-Arms and Skeletor. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, all of them. So, and the last person we got to mention from the cast is Sarah Douglas mm-hmm. as Queen Taramis, who was the Kryptonian Ursa in right. Superman 1 and 2. That's right. Like, that's what I know her from. Yeah. Yeah. She had a, like an oddly sort of sexy thing going on about herself, like evil sexy. It was, it was weird that, and we got this vibe when we were doing research for this movie, because the movie clearly wanted to be R. Like some yeah. of the costuming and some of the dialogue and right. just how the, the, the plot was moving forward in the early stages. And you're like, okay, this is getting really, really to the point where, okay, are we going to do something here? Is this going to go uh, somewhere? And then they just kept pulling back, just kept pulling back, right? No, yeah, no, no. The kids are in the room. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oh, I thought you went to bed. So it was, yeah. But, so, but she had some, some, some of her costumes had it going on in this movie. For sure. Yeah. Now, there's also a few fun cameos That's that we'll right. get to as we go along, I think. We'll here. save that for when we get there, Yeah, though. we'll get to the movie, though. It opens with that universal animation, that wood grain universal the logo, whatever, which I love one. that yeah. shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dino De Laurentiis presents. Of course. Now, this very red, barren, Martian-looking landscape, and we got the voiceover from Mako uh, saying, between the years when the oceans drank Atlantis... And the rise of the sons of Arius, there was an age undreamed of when shining kingdoms lay spread across the world. Hither came Conan, the Sumerian, sword in hand. It is I, his chronicler, who knows well his saga. Now let me tell you of the days of high adventure, (laughs) which is our fucking open on the thing, except from the original Conan. But like, oh, it sets the stage, man. I'm like, it gets you pumped up. You're ready to fucking rumble. 
already. Yeah. The cinematography and everything on this was fucking top notch, dude. You've got a bunch of armed, like armored barbarians riding through frame on horseback with a wagon that looks like a sort of a jail cell on wheels, you know, uh, cut to the wide shot as the music swells and the title flashes on the screen. Dude, the scenery on this shit was yeah. killer. I'm sure it was like color adjusted or whatever, but we were watching that, like trying to figure out, is this a matte painting? Like yeah. it looks like that fantasy art, you know, like the mountains and everything. I mean, like Frank Franzetta straight up, like through yeah, and through, dude. right? Yeah. It was badass. Yeah, it was a great, like, oh, this is going somewhere. I'm excited already, about this. I'm like, yeah. already it's feeling like a bigger production than the original. Yeah. We got Bombada, that's Wilt Chamberlain. Seems to be the leader of the group. He's carrying this like big spiked morning star. He's just holding it, which I'm like, man, your arm would get tired. <laughs> that, like, just holding it heavy. Like, that, that shit's heavy as hell, right? I mean, once you've committed to the bit, though, you got to stick with oh, yeah. it. Yeah. So there's this movie history of like NBA big men, though, appearing in movies, right? You got this one, and like Bruce Lee fought uh, Kareem Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, that's right. In um in John Wick three he fought uh, Boban I will not I'll butcher this last name but he's known as Boban yeah big man Boban Marjanovic I think I'm just like this is, you got to find I guess big men who, to be on film who I guess wants to be movie star because he was in another movie recently Boban actually was? yeah what he was in Jake Johnson's new movie on Hulu called oh, um, I haven't watched that one yet yeah it's really good I'm forgetting was the it title off the top I, I liked it yeah it's it was like, super fun it's um, like a, self reliance. And it's like about being hunted or whatever. It's yeah, like, so it's like the most dangerous game. Okay. It's like the most dangerous game meets uh, when Harry met Sally. <laughs> it's it's actually really funny. Yeah. And he has a small cameo where he tries to murder Jake Johnson and nice. wearing a Michael Jackson uh, beat it jacket. And it's, <laughs> it's really hilarious. So I have to check it out. Yeah. Speaking of, I was thinking uh, this might be for another podcast, but like I feel like Keanu Reeves has now like earned his way almost onto the Mount Rushmore of oh, action yeah. guys. Yeah, between Point Break, yep. John Wick, yep. and Matrix movies, yep. Speed. Speed. I'm like, I feel like his resume is like stronger than Bruce he's, Willis's. Maybe now. he's got the cred, I think. And and unlike Bruce Willis, most of his action movies are good. You know, yeah. I mean, a lot of Willis's action movies. Like suffered from way too many sequels. After and they the just... first three Die Hard, I don't think they oh, made yeah. another good one. No, no, there was not a good one after that for sure. I was, and that's like his calling card, right? Yeah. I liked um, what was the the boat, the River Cop movie? Uh, oh, oh, in oh, Pittsburgh um, or whatever. Yeah. Oh my God, Knight, I liked um, that one. Yeah, I remember that one. I don't remember the name of it. Up right Sarah now, Sarah Jessica Parker in it. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was, I dug that one, but yeah, was like, uh, what else? Did he well, he do? did. He was in like. Um, uh, uh, Fifth Element was solid. Fifth Element was great. What was the one with uh, um, Keenan Wayne's? Um, oh shit, the we're last gonna Boy do Scout. that. One. Last Boy Scout is rock solid. Last Boy Scout Shane is Black. great. Yes, we got to yeah, do that another one. Shane Black movie. We got to do that one soon. Okay, I love the last. All right, Boy yeah, Scout. no, that's a great and it's short movie. As fuck, so yeah. like okay, that. good, excellent. That's perfect. I love it. <laughs> Um, <laughs> um, anyway, I'm sorry, we got way off the track. Yeah, yeah, right, 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 right here. We, we have a movie that we're talking about here. Yes. So there's lots of slow motion of guys riding horses. Before the speed uh, returns to normal, badass like looks on all the riders, the costume design, mm, costume all these suits, so the helmets good. and the yeah. weapons, yeah. badass fur. Really strong way to open. I mean, the right- music, Basil Polidorus is yeah. banging on it. Cut to now a strange angle of of just fucking buffed out Arnold. Like this is the. I feel like the most ripped I've ever seen him in any movie. And you would be right, actually. He put on five kilograms uh, of muscle. 
From the last Conan? From the first Conan movie. Okay. Yes. Uh, at the request of the director who felt that Conan was wearing too much clothing in the first movie oh, and wasn't big enough. <laughs> and so, uh, so uh, Fleischer insisted that Conan put on more muscle mass Okay, uh, and that all the costuming choices was just loincloth through and through, beginning to end. I don't. This is probably around the time also where he went back and won Mr. Universe again, like oh. after having been retired so from bodybuilding for, for like 10 years yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and even though his hair looks very wiggish, <laughs> apparently this is Arnold's real hair. Like they told him after the first movie, like, "Hey, don't cut that hair. We're gonna do a sequel and like just let it grow." But it looks pretty shitty. Yeah, it um, it does look like a wig, so it, it blows my. He just has really shitty hair, I guess. I guess or the shitty hair and makeup people on I the know. set. <laughs> they just didn't know how to do a perm. So now he seems to be praying at this sort of empty altar. He's got his sidekick Malik there. Uh, who's counting jewels from a pouch. They're in this sort of clearing surrounded by these jagged rocks and boulders. It was a crazy location. Uh, I think it was in Mexico or Arizona, I it read. Was, it was like, outside of Mexico City they shot okay. it. The deserts outside of Mexico City is what my yeah. understanding is, yeah. So now we see the barbarian horde from the opening. They arrive. They're weaving their way through all the rocks. They eventually find Conan and Malik and surround them. Uh, Malik runs to Conan. He he theorizes that the merchant that they stole all these jewels from <laughs> must track them down. Already, it's a very different vibe from the first movie yeah. where Arnold is doing a lot of talking right off the bat and like speaking with confidence. Because in the original, Arnold didn't speak until like thirty minutes into the movie or something like that. Which I don't know. I don't. I mean, honestly, that might have been for the best. <laughs> I don't know. But now Arnold gets ready to fight. He keeps striking all these bodybuilding type poses, you know, with like his sword, sword all flexing, of the poses, yeah. waiting for the attack to come. Yeah. A couple of horsemen, they produce these nets and they charge at Conan and Malik, who's now cowering up under the altar. Conan grabs the net and like yanks these dudes down off horseback. Yeah. And the horses crash. And you when we were watching it, you were like, damn, the things they used to do to horses <laughs> oh my in God. these movies. I couldn't believe that they could get away with that. Yeah, it was nuts, but it's like a feat of strength, you yeah, know, or it's whatever. Yeah, straight up Herculean feat of strength, yeah. Now, there he grabs another dude's net as he rides by and, like, flings him off, and, um... That shit. There's like that shot of him just flying through the air. It reminded me of like Fresh Prince, you know, when they someone get thrown out of oh, the yeah, house. That's right. it's, like, <laughs> it's just like this weird shot. Uh, but Conan, he springs up on top of the altar. He then another dude comes by, and I swear he like lopped this dude's head off. Like I'm pretty yep. sure the head went just, flying. Yeah, exactly. Off, yeah, and I'm like, this is some violent shit, man. <laughs> um, Malik, meanwhile, he starts swallowing jewels. Well, because that is what you do when you don't want to lose. I mean, you're gonna, they're just yeah, going to come out the other side, right? It'd be yeah. tough to swallow like, these big old freaking rough cut diamonds. It's a pretty you know? funny like intro to the character, though, because he's had one line up to this point. Yeah. And yeah. now all of a sudden he's uh, talking about the you know the per person he's stolen from. And now he's swallowing the jewels. It's like, okay, in two scenes, in two moments, you get a real clear picture of who this character is. What his motivations uh -huh. are and like what role he's going to play. Which that's what we need. He's comic relief. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think, I think originally it was maybe written to be the same sidekick he had in the first movie, and then they they had to recast or something, so they just made it a different but similar 
character when a Conan is apparently known as like this famous thief. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. like his reputation in this world or whatever. Which he's is a so thief. he's a thief, the traveling thief. And I guess it's he just like puts people up in the corner and go, "Give me all your stuff." Like cat burglar is not a word I would yeah, use to describe Conan. No, he doesn't Conan. like like blend in. No, you know what I no, mean. No, no. Um, the man, the man does not blend in. I mean, he doesn't blend in in a forest. You know, like he's no, bigger yeah. than the trees. So, yeah, I know. I do find it hilarious that he's known as this great thief. <laughs> right. We got Malik, like, swallowing the jewels there. Me- Sadly, we never get to see the scenes later where, like, he's <laughs> fishing it out of his own shit. That may have been one of the deleted scenes in the R-rated cut. <laughs> Digging around in his own shit. Uh, now, two more writers. They come at Conan. He fucking fucks their shit up. Malik asks Conan, why are the why are the attackers not trying to kill us? Mm-hmm. And Conan's like, maybe they want to capture us and torture us to death. Which is not unreasonable. So then two more guys come at Conan with another net. He hacks the net in half with his sword. And there's like this the metal on metal sound effect <laughs> as the sword hits the net. Ding! Which on is a like rope net. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> so Malik emerges. He produces a couple of daggers and he jumps on the back of one of the uh, barbarians horses start stabbing dude like up in his kidneys or whatever which is a move he goes to multiple times yeah, over the course of this like movie his, that's his shit it's about time he got involved in yeah the thing. yeah yeah they both fall off the horse uh conan hacks at another guy and blood is like fucking going everywhere conan grabs the next rider's reins and he punches the horse in the face he likes punching large animals <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you love that shit. It's like, I hope he didn't really hit that horse because there's no call for that. But damn, Conan is like, yeah, yeah like you said, he's got no problem uh, punching an animal. My understanding is that Schwarzenegger actually punched the camel in the first movie. Like, that was uh, a real I mean, hit. Right? He's going to punch another camel here in a minute, and that well, we'll shit get... wasn't faked either because no, he exactly. really hit that thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> so Conan, he helps Malik, who had gotten like stuck underneath the guy that he had killed when they fell off the horses. Conan takes down like five more dudes. Malik gets hit in the head and he gets captured up in a net. Barbarians are closing in all around Conan, but he's still like fighting them off. Then Bombata takes like he starts swinging this uh, thing above his head. It's making a strange like whistling noise or whatever. There was some similar shit in Crocodile Dundee 2. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. That thing he swings and it would make a noise you could hear oh for my miles God, or whatever. Movie. That's a whole podcast in and of itself. Yeah, dude. I love Crocodile Dundee 2. <laughs> really? I love the first. I mean, the first one's a great movie. The first one's legitimately fun. The second fun. one is like, it's like Jewel of the Nile was to <laughs> Romance in the Stone. All right. I like that. That as is a who, perfect analogy. If you watched it as a kid, you probably thought it was just as good. Oh, yeah. And then you watched it as an adult and you were like, oh, this is like a just a terrible like sequel. But I will never forget the poster with him parting the World Trade Towers and like looking between the two of them. Oh, yeah. We did Crocodile Dundee already on the podcast. Oh, oh we damn. Did. It was a killer oh, episode. We got shit-faced off Foster's beers. Hell yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Now We're I feel giant out. cans, like the 32-ounce yeah, cans I'm getting major FOMO right now. <laughs> um, All right, anyway. <laughs> no, yeah, but so I guess Bombada had gotten like tired of watching Conan just lay Murder waste everybody. to their whole army. <laughs> uh, they're very best soldiers, you know. So... Conan, he kills one more dude, but then the attack stops, and Bombada and the, the masked rider next to him approach Conan. The masked rider removes their mask, revealing it's a woman. Bum, bum, what a twist. Yeah, it's it's Queen Tiramis. Yes. She's got her hair in cornrows, like she's on fucking spring break in Jamaica <laughs> or something, you know? Definitely did not age. That haircut did not age well. 
Nah, dude. It's the first instance. Also, we get that star filter that gets oh, used a lot in this movie. Like, over the whole movie. That's this yeah. thing where, like, you put a filter on the lens and it makes, like, any light that's sort of shining really, like, refract into, like, mm-hmm. these points star of patterns. light that are yeah. coming off of it. So Conan recognizes Queen Terramis, says, you're not my queen. And she says, you're a Sumerian. Sumerians have no rulers. You're a barbarian. You live free in the world. You owe allegiance to no one. Is that not so? And I, I had to Google. I'm like, is Sumerian a real thing? It is. Okay. It so was like that's- a, per, a nomadic Persian uh, people, horse riding people oh. in, 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 you know, pre-biblical times that's or whatever. That's so interesting because I heard Sumerian. Sumerian. Like, like, that's like, so with the weird. S- yeah, with the S. S-U-M-E-R-I-N. Yeah, this is C-I-M-M-E-R-I-N. Yeah, but it is a, it is, it was a real thing, I guess. They, I mean, actually the, um, the, uh, uh, there's a character later on when they're worshiping at the altar, the evil okay. god that they invoke is actually the evil god of Zoroastrianism. Oh shit! So For it's real? like they're they're pulling in a lot of like real ancient so they did some religious real research. On yeah, this? they okay. did some real research on it actually. <laughs> yeah, but so Conan's like, you're right. You're not my queen. Uh, he asks, what does she want? She says she wants his help. He instantly is like, no. <laughs> he had that shit queued like, up real quick. <laughs> but but uh, it, she did just try to kill him. It seems like Fair. or whatever. Yeah. So she says. You shouldn't have rejected my offer without hearing what I can give you. He says, you've got nothing I want. She points out that, you know, you were praying when I got here. What is it you're praying for? Then she urges him to visualize it and show her his deepest desires. Now, suddenly flames erupt on the altar and he has this vision of Valeria appearing in the flames. Valeria, who was like the love interest in the first movie. Mm -hmm. I think I had forgotten that this movie had like, continuity <laughs> from the first one you know what i mean but i think it's uh, the effects the visual effects were bad yeah. here but oh, yeah. i liked that he's still carrying a torch for like the woman that he loved in the first movie i, I mean I if, you can, that. if you can put any amount of connective tissue to still like make it feel like it's not just isolated and it's, yeah. it, and it's seen of its own and it actually it works as a legitimate motivation for him oh yeah because of course he would want to bring her back well to life, he gets right? blinded right he gets yeah. like blinded by his desire to make this wish come true exactly. or whatever like exactly so i also like the continuity of like he had the same sword you know and he had that yep. medallion that he had in the first movie the wheel of pain medallion yep. like yep. his clan or whatever so i was digging it but Teramis is like asks where valeria is conan says she's sitting at the side of his god crom who he he abandons whenever the mood strikes him but i guess right now he's on good terms with crom now <laughs> so conan says that Teramis can't give him what he wants which is to bring back the dead she says that if he does what she asks of him, she will. Then she commands him to wake up and the flames vanish and Conan snaps out of his trance that he was in. So I'm wondering, like, was that vision something that only Conan could see? I feel or like was it, it everyone. I feel like it was. I mean, um, obviously, Termis has a lot of magical powers. So sure. I feel like she put the whammy on him okay. and was using it. And that's how she probably clouded his judgment as well as she did. For sure. Because... She provides no proof otherwise that she has any ability to raise the dead. No, and he just no, sort of no. goes with it. So, you know, he's completely, completely smitten because of this vision that she's right. forced on him. So then he asks her, what do I got to do for you? She says, I'll tell you soon. I, I dig that his his 
motivation for going on this quest is to be reunited yep. with the love. I think, I think it's a great motivation. Watching it as a kid, yeah. Why well, this went right over my head? <laughs> I probably was like, "Who? I don't know who that woman is, and I don't know any." I, so it's Conan. He's gonna. You got to go on the adventure. You got to go on the adventure. Yes, yeah, right? but yeah. I mean, honestly, up to this point, like this is great. Like this is this is going to be an epic sequel. Sure. Like it's it's everything. Like first scene swimming. Right. I'm, I'm so ready for this. <laughs> so now we cut to Conan and Malik. They're riding with Taramis and the her survivor and crew. <laughs> What's uh, left of them? <laughs> to this incredible castle that's atop a small mountain. It was like big Edoras vibes yeah. from uh, Lord of the Rings. Amazing matte painting. It wasn't actually. I did some research on this because we were talking okay. about how they did this. It was a foreground miniature. The whole thing was shot in real time. So they had okay. a miniature of the castle positioned perfectly so it sat in a force you know because it's all 2d it's all projected into 2d yeah this forced perspective so they set the focal length on the camera or i don't know how they managed it but yeah yeah the the camera the the statue is in the foreground closer to the camera and then the the the, the sort of i don't know outcropping the rock outcropping okay. that was sitting on on was behind it and so it, it looked incredible. It did. It looked um, it, one of the best visual effects. Why do movies not do it like this Completely anymore? Completely practical. Like, no, I mean, there was no, nothing done in post. This was all shot on the day. It was called a foreground miniature is what the yeah. castle was. Flawless. Like, you could not tell that that it castle wasn't there. It looked so good. It was That's so good. amazing yeah. to me. I also thought it was a nice touch that as the riders were coming up, uh, there were several like riderless horses. <laughs> from all the, they brought the horses back from all the fallen soldiers. Small or detail, but you gotta love it. Yeah. So now they ride into this bustling marketplace. There's all this fanfare. The people in town seem to recognize Conan. Mm-hmm. Like they're calling his name out and everything like that. Uh, Malik is loving the attention. Conan is like very sort of stone faced, stoic looking. There's this rich man being carried around on a palanquin mm-hmm. who likes trying to hide his jewels or whatever, you know? <laughs> I like that Conan's rep is that he's a thief. He, yes, and everyone exactly. loves him for that. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that makes him is he like a Robin Hood type figure. Like, does he share the wealth or what? I, I am. People seem to dig it. I admit I, I know really nothing about this character beyond a few of the comics that I've read okay. in these two movies. Okay. So whether what his, his actual like character arc is in the original source material i don't know <laughs> but yeah they they sell the idea that he's sort of a a, 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 a you know a commoner's thief a commoner's hero yeah sure thiefing, you know so now malik at this point he points to a camel and he asks conan does that animal look familiar to you and conan this is uh, pr- presumably the same camel that he punched out in the first <laughs> conan movie but conan apologizes to the camel for what happened the first time, the last time, <laughs> the camel sort of spits on him and Conan clubs this thing over the head and like the camel goes down in a heap and there ain't no way that was fake because he looked like he whacked that thing as hard as possible. Yeah. And I don't contone animal violence, but that was the biggest laugh of the whole movie. I feel like someone maybe had a rope or something, yanked the camel's maybe legs out did. from under it Yeah, because it did. I don't know if it would make a camel collapse because this thing would like collapse like it was not. Yeah, down. I don't know how you train a camel to ragdoll on cue. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know what was going on, but yeah. that camel was not acting, I don't think. So what got me on this, though, is Malik wasn't there the first time. No. <laughs> it's odd that he was like, does that animal look familiar? Like, does the, does the reputation that he punched the camel one time, like, follow him everywhere? I feel like, yeah, maybe just Conan or, or loves is this that another, story. Or is this a different camel that he had beef with? When, one time when Malik was there? I love the idea that Conan is a serial camel abuser. <laughs> uh, 
So the the caravan now enters the castle into this like massive courtyard that's filled with babes and peacocks. Mm-hmm. It's like a hair metal video or something in there. <laughs> Tis the era. There was this old priest in there with some like a staff with this weird cyclops sort of skull on the mm-hmm. top of it or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, the production design on this movie was fucking lavish. The dude. sets were great. That whole scene when they yeah. were rolling into town and yeah. this set is amazing. The costumes are yeah. incredible and like hundreds of extras. I mean, again, so far so good. I'm a, I'm digging it. I'm all in. We, it just it goes downhill so fast coming up here. Uh, well, now we cut to maybe I guess a different room mm-hmm. where Terramis gives Conan a glass of wine and suggests that they toast to the dreaming god Dagoth, mm-hmm. which she has a statue of in her chamber. This is this is just a hundred percent like her sex layer. Oh yeah, definitely. It looked like Prince's bedroom or in Zack Snyder's there, you know? cut of Conan the Destroyer. Yeah. There was all a this ten minute scene. There's like purple everywhere. Oh, yeah. I feel like there was like some fake panthers <laughs> around, and there was this like shit that looked like like a bunch of butt plugs or something around. <laughs> oh Dagos. yeah, oh they were definitely that. There was like, no okay. question. Yeah. Uh, I think I originally had put in my notes that Conan didn't drink his wine, but I was wrong. He fucking pounded it just so fast <laughs> that it was gone instantly. Like as as soon as the shot started, it was just down the gullet, man. <laughs> so he drank the entire glass in one sip. So quickly that I hadn't noticed. Props. So after he pounded that wine, he wants to know what Teramis wants from him. Teramis, her hair is now unbraided mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. quickly. She says there's Rocking a, a pretty sexy costume also at this scene. Yeah. She says there's a prophecy that there's a woman child bearing a certain birthmark that must make a perilous journey and that her niece, Jenna, bears this mark. And now it's odd that the birthmark is a detail that never is relevant nope. again, and we never see it. Never even anything. see it. Nope. We you just know. hear about it, and great, we're going to take it on faith and move on. So Teramis says she wants Conan to protect Jenna on this journey. Conan asks, where are we going? Teramis says Jenna can lead him. She's been preparing for this journey since she was born. Teramis says uh, there's a key that only Jenna can touch in a castle that's guarded by a wizard named Tath Amon. Conan's a little hesitant, and Teramis asks, what are you, scared of magic? He says, you know, swords are no use against sorcery, but I'll find a way. Now, Conan wants to know what the key unlocks. Teramis says that it will unlock a jeweled horn, then uh, then proceeds to start stroking Conan's muscles. Again, this movie wanted to be R-rated. It she got really, wanted really to be. horny all yeah, of a sudden. Really, just really into him. So Teramis says that once Jenna retrieves the horn, and Conan brings her back, he'll have his reward, which is to get uh, Valeria back. Mm-hmm. Teramis seems to go into a trance while she's looking at the Dagoth statue, and she says that both she and Conan will have everything they want through magic. Wink, wink. Yeah. There's big red flags are popping <laughs> yeah, just up. Like, everywhere. There's just fireworks of red going everywhere. Teramis clearly has some very kooky shit going on <laughs> here, you know? You uh, didn't see the sex swing in the other room, yeah, right. but that was a big deal. Now, just then, there's this scream from the adjoining room. Teramis runs in the direction of the scream where Bombada is comforting a beautiful young blonde uh, child who's in distress. A woman, I guess. I, I mean. He's, tell, he's telling her it's only a dream. Uh, this is Jenna, who is, they've got this apparent child like in the skimpiest lingerie. You can imagine. It's I don't problematic. Know how many, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, how many cuts did they have to take? I, he was uh, like, oh, my, Jenna, oh your, your, your boob's hanging out again. Uh, this on. was crazy It to was me. barely there. I don't want to believe that she was 14 because <laughs> it's a problem. It is um, really creepy if she is that young, yes. 
But so Jenna, she keeps saying, I saw it again. Another thread that never gets paid off. Nope. Like what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. But so Taramis repeats to her, you know, over and over, it was just a dream. Taramis urges her to get back to sleep, you know, because you got to begin your quests in the morning. You'll need all your strength. Your destiny is at hand. hand. Mm. Taramis then seems to maybe put her back to sleep with some sort of spell. Also called Ambien. Yeah. Because <laughs> she then starts telling them about her that all their destinies are at hand, even Conan, even though he doesn't know it yet. Although theoretically Conan is like in the other room and can hear all of Right, this. I know, exactly. Like he's just so, like, oh no, honor dictates that I don't listen in on the room that's next to me. So Bombata says we don't need Conan. But Terramis says, you know, stealing this key is a job for a thief. But Bombata's job is to make sure that Jenna returns with the key and her virginity. virginity. What? <laughs> Which is like out of nowhere. And of all people in the world, Wilt Chamberlain is like, I will protect them both. <laughs> it's like no Wilt Chamberlain, the guy who claims to have slept with 10,000 women, yes. is tasked with, with making sure that Jenna, who we're soon going to learn, is the horniest 14-year-old ever, <laughs> that she doesn't fuck anybody. Nope. So Tiramis says that, okay, he better because Jenna must be a virgin so that she can be properly sacrificed. They're saying this all right in front of her. I know, exactly. But I guess I guess that Ambien kicked in real right, fast. I guess she's asleep. Then as an afterthought, Tiramis is like, says, you know, letting Conan near the jeweled horn is a bad idea. So he instructs uh, Bambada to kill Conan as soon as they've recovered the key. So she advises him that she's going to send her elite squad of goons to help him do this when the time is right. Conan must die. Oof. Said, Oof. So there's the hook. It's the old double MacGuffin. <laughs> yeah, we got a double MacGuffin with going a on this one. secret betrayal <laughs> coming. With, with a nice little hint of garlic <laughs> on the finish. Yeah. Um, a solid setup, though, for yeah. a movie. Honestly, <laughs> like, not, you know? so far, I'm completely bought in. I'm, I'm here for it. Yeah, I'm super into it. Yeah. So, yeah. It is a Conan movie. It is Arnold. So we got to watch it. We got to enjoy oh, it. We got to keep talking about it because shit's going to get weirder from here. <laughs> it's not going to sure. get easier. That's for, for sure. <laughs> so thanks for joining us. Uh, check us out again next week with a lot more on Conan the Destroyer. And until then, we'll be back. We will be back. We will be back.